When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots. Welcome to Anything Is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan, and I am coming to you live from the TD Garden after the Celtics win Game two of their first round series against the Brooklyn Nets, 114-107. They come back from being down 17 points in the first half. They survive a 9-0 run to start the game from Bruce Brown. They survive a just horrendous shooting night from Jason Tatum, was only 5 of 16 from the field, but they absolutely dominate the Brooklyn Nets in the second half. And most of all, they dominate Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant who were one for 17 in the second half. And basically, that's the story of the ballgame. The Celtics, I don't know what they did to KD. I don't know if they're small aliens who uh, took his powers, but he just did not have anything tonight. And this is the worst I've ever seen Kevin Durant play. He still ended up with 27 points, but 18 of those came at the foul line. The Celtics held KD to four of 17 from the field, and this was a, a kind of a wild basketball game. The Celtics in the first half, they gave up 60% shooting, 50% from the field, and it felt like every single 50-50 ball was going the Nets' ways. Big swings, missed calls, uh, and just felt like everything was clicking for the Nets. And then slowly but surely, in that third quarter, they chipped it away. They got uh, just kept doing it a little better. Uh, was able to cut the lead to, I think, five headed into the fourth. Um, and another thing, there's another instance of the Celtics not winning the KD minutes. Uh, they had a chance to do so and cut the lead at both the start of the second and start of the fourth quarter. And it didn't really matter for the Celtics in this game. Uh, they started in the fourth quarter. The first three minutes, KD was not on the court, called the timeout. The Celtics were down five. They brought uh, back Jason Tatum. Al Horford into the lineup and to go along with Grant, Peyton Pritchard, and Jalen Brown and immediately went on a 12-2 run and then just kind of dominated the rest of the game with Peyton Pritchard knocking down shot after shot. Peyton Pritchard with just as many points in the fourth quarter as KD and Kyrie combined. He had huge plays from Jalen Brown. It's just uh, huge shots from Jason Tatum who did not have the best shooting performance but just giant performance from the Celtics, and it feels like they were relying on absolutely just championship habits. And they just turned to their defense and just held the Nets to 17 points in the fourth quarter, which is just absolutely absurd. After letting up over 30 points in the quarters, one and two, 25 in the third, 17 in the fourth, and the Celtics just kept grinding, kept getting this win. I'm here. I'm excited. Jay is, you know, listening to uh, 
people talk in the Zooms, but I, I couldn't wait for him. I just wanted a podcast. And so we'll go to the phones early and see what the fans out there. It's a good time right now if you're joining me here on the live room amp and want to get your reaction to game two. Raise that hand. Try to get to as many people as possible. Let's start off with Rob S. Rob, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Jam. How are you? Doing fantastic here on the rafters after an amazing win. Yeah, I mean, not a bad win, but do you think that the Celtics should go to more movement on offense? I know uh, they kind of loaded up on everyone in the fourth quarter and then fast PP just kind of killed people. But uh, what do you think about the fourth quarter offense overall? I thought they did. That's a good question. and Thanks, Rob. I thought they did a pretty good job of um, moving the ball uh, and driving and kicking, I think. This, the Nets are really kind of packing the paint, really overloading on Tatum. And I thought the Celtics did a good job of drive, kick, drive, kick, drive, kick. Uh, and it got just more open shots for them, uh, especially there in that fourth quarter. I w- would like to see some more movement, but I don't know. The kind of the way the game this was played, it was not really the most fluid game. So many foul calls. Uh, I would like to see them do more. Um, Actually, you know what? I take that back because I think one of the things they did the really well in the fourth quarter is the game slowed down and they really focused on matchups of just abusing Nets uh, for their smaller players out there. They were trying to get Tatum on Curry. They were trying to get Tatum on Kyrie Irving. They are trying to get Tatum on Patty Mills. The same for Jalen. Jalen had some huge buckets. We're basically just going through the chest of Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think you you want some, some more movement, but I think the, the Celtics really kind of, kind of calmed down slowed down the turnovers, and I thought their offensive execution was pretty solid down, uh, down the stretch, especially uh, in that fourth quarter. Let's go to Luis C. Luis, thank you for joining me here on Anything is Potable. How you doing? I'm all right, Stan Packard. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Professional sports fan, nice to be on. Nice to have you on. What you thought? What'd you think of the Celtics Game 2 performance? I think... The, the, the fans need to continue playing their role. We need to continue yelling for every possession. What I've seen is the same thing I've seen in game one. Every time the fans are standing up, you see the Nets fumbling the ball. You see uh, Durant coming up short on his jump shots. And uh, in the, I, I think in the second quarter, third quarter, and maybe the beginning of the fourth, Kyrie was dominating us in game one. And that's because we kind of the, the fans start to sit down. As soon as the fans get up, oh man, we're gonna win every home game this whole playoffs uh, run. Uh, I, I believe we're gonna go to the championship. I think we're the best team in the East, especially when Rob Williams comes back. But if you're gonna go to the games this whole playoff run, we need to get up every every possession, every possession. And I think we could go far away, uh, a long way to the championship. I love the optimism, Luis, and I, I agree. The, the crowd, I thought, was a huge factor tonight. Obviously started off with some uh, nice Kyrie suck chance, uh, some some fuck you Kyrie chance. I did. I thought it was a little much to be chanting on back-to-back to possessions to start the game about Kyrie Irving. I thought maybe they should uh, focus in on the basketball, uh, but that definitely happened late. Just Kyrie being in the game is just like there's a supercharged environment in here. And I thought the fans are great. There's just like some great moments of the Celtics pumping up the crowd. Al Horford hit a huge three in the corner in the third quarter, started talking a lot of shit to the Nets bench. Um, Grant Williams, I can't believe I haven't even mentioned Grant Williams, but he was perfect from three. And he's really kept the team in the game where 
kept it only a nine-point game after the first quarter. He made huge threes and huge plays, especially down the stretch. And I thought uh, the fans were in this game. This place was electric. Everyone on their feet pretty much for the entire fourth quarter. Uh, and I can I think it's going to be a huge thing. And the Celtics uh, are being rewarded maybe for taking on the challenge of the Brooklyn Nets. But now they're going to if, – if they move on to the second round, they would have home court against uh, – the Milwaukee Bucks. So uh, I do think the the Celtics have the best home crowd in the league, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be important moving forward. Let's go now to Jonathan R. Jonathan R. Welcome to Anything Is Possible. Jonathan. Hey, hey, man. Uh, How's it going? Oh, it's going great. You know, I just want to let you know. I, I don't know if you remember, but like way back early in the season, I I, I hopped on. I told you guys. I finally convinced my wife to watch a game, and I almost lost my marriage. <laughs> I do remember that. Was that the Portland Trailblazers game? Yes, indeed. But I got to tell you, things are really turning around for me at home. The vibes have shifted. The, yes, the vibes have shifted both at home. I'm, and I'm also about two weeks away from my first kid. So I got to say, it's a great time for my marriage to be solid. So thank you, Celtics. Uh, but that's all. Congratulations to, to Jonathan R. and his wife for having a beautiful time watching this Boston Celtics team. There's something there's something in the air about this team. There's certainly a very special thing going on right now. That was the thing about this game is despite how poorly I thought the Celtics were playing in the first half, despite all the 50-50 balls kind of going the other way, there was a number of times tonight where the Celtics seemed like they got the ball, got turnovers, and the ball just ended up in the Nets' hands, and they converted three. Like a lot of five-point swings, missed, uh, missed goaltending on Tatum. Like everything was going breaking against the Celtics, except for the fact that Kevin Durant was uh, awful, and it just uh, they never gave up, and it never really felt like they were out of this game. And uh, as soon as they kind of made that surge in that fourth quarter, when they went on that twelve-two run, taking what was a five-point lead to or five-point deficit to a five-point lead, you're just confident in in what they're doing, and really, you weren't. No one in this building was scared of what Kevin Durant could do because he was just not in rhythm. The entire night, him and Kyrie were not comfortable. And the Celtics just defense, uh, it was physical. The refs certainly, you know, played a role in everything because that's what the refs want to do in the playoffs, make it about them. Close to, I think it was 50 fouls in this game, 28 on the Nets and 27 on the Celtics, so 55 fouls. That's absolutely absurd. It's kind of the, the one bummer of this game, but I thought the Celtics just played uh, tremendous defense and uh, I thought – even in foul trouble, Al Horford ended up falling out. Uh, fouling out. Tice, he struggled early, but he filled in well. But I really think Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard, and kudos to Ime Udoka for sticking with Peyton Pritchard during that run and getting more spacing out there to allow the offense to cook a little bit. I thought Ime handled his kind of big first challenge of the playoffs pretty well. And then actually, I thought he did a good job. Pritchard was maybe tiring out or running out on the Pritchard luck, and he bought Smart back in, who... Uh, finished off the game with just amazing, kind of absurd, not not kind of absurd, absolutely absurd left-handed bank shot where he held up his arm and then Jalen Hand held up his arm. That was uh, absolutely fantastic. I was uh, angry at the time he took the shot, but then I forgot I you have to love and trust, and love and trust I do. Let's go to Tom S. Tom S., thank you for joining me here on Anything is Potable. How are you doing? No, Sam, you're right. Well, that was uh, that was summer, wasn't it? That was uh, <laughs> uh, that was summer. It's uh, twenty-two minutes past three here in uh, 
the UK. Uh, I've been paced, and you've been having hell of a night. <laughs> well, well, my missus thinks I've gone uh, crazy. She she keeps coming down, says, "Yeah, you're all right. Like you look stressed." I'm, like, I'm just pacing up and down, pacing up and down, just watching the TV screen. And I think my dog thinks I've got something wrong with me. I think my dog was like, "What on earth is this guy doing?" <laughs> but no. Uh, uh, no, I, 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 I can't believe it. And because I know 17, uh, 17 point lead is not that special necessarily now in today's NBA than it was in, in yonder years. But in playoff basketball to pull off something like that, shout out to Kyrie Irving for getting an early Uber home in that, in that fourth quarter. <laughs> thank God, like, cause he just disappeared. Cause when it got quite close in the fourth, I must say, I kind of thought, is this where he just goes, you know what, let's just yeah, I mean, find that second wind and let's just start cooking everything, you know, like he did in the first game when you're just like, this guy can't miss. Like, this guy could turn around 10 times and still, and still, yeah, I mean, it's from half court, it'd still go in. Uh, my question for you, though, is um, obviously a lot of people are wanting Rob to return this series. Now we're 2-0 and we're looking a bit comfortable. I know anything could change. Would you maybe wait... Um, for the possible Bucks matchup because it's one of them where I'm a bit scared because I must say I don't feel very confident with uh, Tice. I thought he did quite well in the second half, like you said, but I don't feel really confident with him against the Bucks. And I'm for some reason I'm a bit nervous that Rob's going to come back. And it's going to be great, but then he's going to tweak it, and then it, you know what I mean. We're going to try and bring him back, maybe. Uh, I mean, because marginally early, and then he could be out for longer. So, what would you do? How would you manage Rob? Would you? Still focus on getting him back in this series if we can, or would you simply wait and see uh, if we can get through Nets without him and use him at the books? Well, Tom, I appreciate the question and appreciate uh, you definitely joining uh, all the way from the UK. Tell your dog and your wife that you're not crazy. You just witnessed a, a brilliant basketball team. As for the Time Lord question, Ime said today before the game that Rob is progressing, doing three-on-three. Three. I don't think the Celtics are any rush to bring him back especially in this series, it's clearly they don't need him. But if they can get him in the game, uh, I think it would be nice to get him in some game action before potentially moving on to a next series. I don't also don't want to catch count my chickens, you know, uh, knocking on wood and everything like that. But um, I don't think there's a rush to bring him back. But you're, he's, if you want to make a finals run, you're going to need Rob Williams. And so whatever the timetable is needing for him to get comfortable, I think the – that's worse. It, who knows? The, the way this series is so spread out, we have to wait till Saturday for a game three. Game four won't be till Monday. That's going to be, a, I think, well over four weeks before uh, Rob's initial surgery and then kind of well within the timetable of where his potential return. So I don't think there's a huge pressure for Rob Williams to return, but I wouldn't mind his, pro, uh, his, his return if it's uh, everything's going well and everything's working with his recovery. Uh, all right now, I, I mean, I have some energy tonight, folks, but I'm ready to hear this man, Joshua B. Joshua B., come on down. You are on anything spotable. Thank God and fuck the rest. Now, why do I say that? I say that because Kevin Durant went 18 for 20 from the line. Anybody who watched that game must have had shades of Dallas when the refs let the when the refs let the Mavericks back in the third quarter, when we were up by God knows how many, when we lost our first game all those like months ago in the middle of our winning streak, and what is the point of all of that? The point of all of that is that this time the NBA called down to the refs and said, "Look, 
make sure that Kevin Durant gets off, that Kevin Durant goes for over 40, because God forbid his fragile ego has to get onto a burner account onto Twitter and defend himself from all the people who say that maybe he can't go, oh, I don't know, drain a bucket, go better than 0 for 10 in the fourth quarter. No, no, no. Let's make sure the refs help him out so they can go 18 for 20 and save his stat line. And you better go 18 for 20 because without those 18 points, you don't even get over 20. You don't even get over 30 points. Without those 18 points, all of a sudden, 42 looks a lot more normal. It looks closer to 24, which is, by the way, damn close to what you were in the first game when you only scored 23 points. What's the point of all of this? The point of all of this is that the Celtics played an outstanding team game. That game, when you go and you look down our box score, you'll see 20 points. You'll see Jalen Brown leading the way with 23 points. Jason Tatum at 19 points. And on and on and on we go. 16 points from Al Horford. Like, it's, it's nuts. We spread the ball all over the place. And what does that tell you? That tells you that we aren't going to go down to an individual star. You are going to have to beat us with team basketball. So when Joel Embiid comes a running from Philadelphia and says, oh, I'm so great. Look at me. I can score 40 points, right? It's not going to matter. You're going to need to beat us with a team game. It's going to, ha- it's, it's going to have to happen. I hope you listen to the last Anything is Potable because I gave you all the credit for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I said that. I said that on this podcast, and I said that because I believe that home court advantage absolutely matters. I believe the reason that you get the number two seed in the first place is for moments just like game one. The reason that you get home court advantage is so that Kevin Durant, when he's so busy getting every whistle for every ticky-tack call, I mean, Marcus Smart has to do to lay in the ball and get the call. Anything? How many people have to be guarding him and hacking him at the same time? I don't know. It, it has to be more than four. You know, there's only five nets on the court in the first place, and he's still the call. And you're and I'm saying, oh, well, it must have been Marcus Smart. It, I could attribute that to Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or any time that Gordon Drogic was guarding someone. The Celtics barely ever got called in the fourth quarter, and yet Kevin Grant was hitting the line over and over and over again. And now we're up two to zero. And we're going to Brooklyn. And when I say we're going to Brooklyn, I don't necessarily just mean the Celtics. I mean anybody who can afford a ticket from the Boston fans down to Brooklyn because that crowd is apathetic. I've watched enough Brooklyn Nets games to know that the Boston Celtics, like all the Boston Celtics fans who have disposable income, should absolutely drive. Now, I know the Joshua B rules that I can't talk for more than 10 minutes even though I can. So my question is, my question to you is, do you feel that home court advantage matters? Do you believe that TD Garden and the Boston Celtics fan base um, made a humongous difference in that fighting for home court advantage, which we've done every game since the start of the first half and in every loss, including the one to the Milwaukee Bucks, led to a win um, in game one and to a win in game two. And thank you for your service on the Saturday Slam and Jam. Oh, Joshua B, coming in hot. As always, appreciate the energy. I do think home court it mattered. I do think that um, I don't think there's any real way to measure uh, if the home crowd rattled KD or anything like that. But I do think it kept the Celtics in this ball game. I think the the point, Josh, that the best point you made is about how this felt like a, a team game 
versus individual superstars. And I like the foul, the, the refs were very obnoxious. And looking at KD's stat line, seeing 18 for 20 is frankly absurd. But if you look at the total free throws, uh, the Nets attempted 34, the Celtics attempted 31. I thought it was, a, it was like a sloppy, just poorly officiated game where they're calling too much um, on, on, on both sides and basically really challenging the idea that they can't call everything. I think both of these teams came out and really tried to play physical basketball and the referees kind of said, no, 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 that's not what we want in the playoffs. Um, but in terms of like what the Nets were doing on offense, they don't really have options beyond Katie and Kyrie. And I think Steve Nash just was thoroughly outcoached in this game in terms of not like when, when did you see maybe a, a pick and roll between KD and Kyrie? When did you see KD coming off a pin down? It was a lot of isolation basketball. It was like, yes, they would like get for a switch, but then it was basically KD or Kyrie driving into the paint and trying to get like a long two. And in the first half, when you had Bruce Brown knocking down open threes, I think like it worked for the Nets. And of course you had a, a very obnoxious Goran Dragic run because that's just going to happen anytime the Celtics play Goran Dragic in the playoffs. But the Nets offensive creativity was just not there and they didn't really seem to have a counter. They just kept on running their heads into the wall where it feels like the Celtics, clearly Jason Tatum didn't have it going tonight. Clearly the Celtics struggled going to the rim, especially early. I thought the Nets early did a good job of being a deterrent. I thought in the second half, the Celtics did a good job of getting to the rim with not necessarily the uh, attempt to try and score the basketball, but getting to the rim, just drawing and then kicking it out. And that's why I think you saw big threes from Horford, big plays from um, Peyton Pritchard. And so the Nets really just didn't have a counter. It was just, let's run KD, let's run the KD Kyrie play and just hope it works. And nothing really worked out for them. They tried to go small with four guards and it really, um, the spacing was not there for them and no one really uh, stepped up on the Nets. So uh, it's why I think I like predicted the, the Celtics in five before the series, because I think just at the end of the day, the Celtics are a better basketball team and have been dominant for the past three months, and that has to count for something. I know we always talk about best player in the series, but being the best team and like being able to rely on each other, being able to know that your teammates are going to make the right play, I think has a huge impact on uh, these first two games, or two games, frankly, the Nets should have won. I think the Nets uh, let game one slip away, and here they – Started with a nine-point lead, had a 10-point lead, had a five-point lead, heading into the fourth quarter, and just none of their stars could really do anything with it. All right, the last caller I have on my list is K.I. could be Kyrie Irving. Let's see. K.I., how's it going? K.I., how you doing? Maybe it wasn't KI. Maybe it wasn't Kyrie Irving. Who knows? But if you want to try, press that raise hand button again. We'll go to James S. now. James, how are you doing? Well, no James here either. Maybe having too many technical difficulties. Going to try KI again. KI. Oh, nope. Everyone's dropping off. Oh, this is uh, this is not what you want to have towards the end of a podcast. I thought it was Kyrie Irving. It would have been very nice to have a, a, a discussion with Kyrie. Try and James S again. James, James, I can hear you. What's going on? Yes, sir. How you doing? 
Good, man. How you doing? I was doing much better after halfway through the third quarter than, than I was during the first half. But a um, couple questions for you. Like, obviously, I feel like JB was a legit of a liability for the first 36 minutes. Like, he's got to understand you can't, like, dribble through a double team on the top, you know, when they're running a high pick and roll. He's got, I don't know when he's going to learn that. Hopefully, he figures it out before the end of his career. Clearly, he took us down the stretch and was huge in the win. But it's like the other thing, and I don't know if you've got a little more insight in this as to when the game was going on towards the end of the game. Like we got lucky down the stretch because we got we hit a lot of big shots that were individual shots. You know what I mean? Like uh, Tatum hitting the shots, Smart hitting the shot, but like the offense was not running smoothly. And my one, my question, or I'm wondering is like, was Udoka not happy with that? Was he, was he not affecting that? Was he asking for that? You know what I mean? It's almost like they reverted back in the last like four minutes to what they used to do. And fortunately it worked because people hit ridiculous shots. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm, I'm just wondering if he had any, if you, you know, you saw anything on the sidelines in any of the timeouts, was he preaching anything like, you know, move the ball or was he just, you know, stay confident and hope that, Pritchard keeps hitting ridiculous shots. Tatum hits ridiculous shots. Tatum's hitting ridiculous shots. And Marcus Smart hits an absurd shot. Um, I, th- I appreciate the, the call, James. I think they were a lot more deliberate with their offense in the fourth quarter. Um, there was that just kind of absurd Tatum shot where he knocked down a three directly. I think it was over Drogic where it was pretty much broken offense. Um, but I think they, the Celtics did a pretty good job of driving kick, making the right play. Um, they did. They, I guess they did have some, some lucky. There was a lot of fouls that going um, going on to, down the stretch, and the Celtics stepped up and made them. I thought Marcus Smart did a good job to draw the that Katie foul. That was his fifth. That kind of put him on not being able to play the best defense late. But that was Marcus Smart getting a pass after the defense had been expanded from Jason Tatum. Uh, I thought Jason Tatum did, and then I think they actually just were slow and deliberate and. Although there was less ball movement, I think that's just kind of the nature of playoff basketball where it really felt down the stretch. They wanted to attack people like Curry or Kyrie. And I thought Jalen, yes, just sometimes Jalen just dribbling the basketball and makes some just decisions that are just, whew, you don't really know what's going on. But I thought he did a really good job late of um, just driving the basketball through smaller defenders and just going up straight and he's become really good at finishing especially with the right um i thought the celtics did they were just much more calmer on offense than they were in the first half it felt like they were trying to do too much and you know what it makes sense uh like like the old brad stevens saying is you know you got to hit singles and it felt like they they tried to come out in the start of the or at the end of the second quarter they had a big run and then you know kd comes down i think hits an open three um, they had almost had a chance to tie it up immediately out of the third quarter, and then the Nets hit some big threes. I thought the Celtics just kept trying, kept chipping away, and they did a really good job of eventually hitting singles. And it really just all came back to the defense. Like every single shot on the uh, the Nets had was difficult, and the Celtics, despite I think a pretty impressive uh, effort on the offensive boards from the Nets, like Drummond was quite annoying in that regard. How many uh, offensive rebounds he had? It says only one here, but that doesn't make any any sense to me. The Nets had a lot of long rebounds. Um, only uh, they had finished the game with nine offensive rebounds, but that sounds uh, a bit 
lower than it actually was. But I thought the Celtics did a good job of slowing the game down, being deliberate, just finding the, the smaller guy and attacking the switch. And then when they could drive, driving, kicking, making the extra pass, it felt like in the first half they were really just attacking the rim uh, with kind of a reckless abandon. And I thought Nick Claxton and Andre Drummond did a pretty good job of deterring them. But in the second half, they were more deliberate. And with KD shooting the way he did, Kyrie shooting the way he did, it did kind of feel inevitable as the second half progressed that the Celtics were going to come back. And uh, Josh B mentioned this, but it was an absolute team performance. Just huge performances by Peyton Pritchard in that fourth quarter. He finished with 10 points. Um, Al Horford was huge from three, knocking down three of six. He finished with 16 points. Daniel Tice for 15 points, uh, especially early on. I thought he got the scoring well. Grant Williams, the shot making that I mentioned. Marcus Smart was just dominant. That was an interesting thing that I think Ime did tonight was matching his minutes as much as he could with Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie played 40 minutes, and it looks like Marcus Smart played 35, which 35 seems low, but I guess uh, during that stretch run where Peyton Pritchard was in the game, we didn't get total uh, total Marcus action, but um, I thought he was excellent on defense. He finished with 12 points. Grant Williams with 17 points. A total team performance. Jason Tatum finished with 19 points and 10 Assists, six boards. It's just uh, after the Celtics' really rough start, they finish 50% from the field, 35 from deep. And uh, it was just a great, great win. Uh, uh, just a, It's been a great couple of days he, to be here with uh, Celtics basketball. You get the Tatum winning game one, Marcus Smart wearing the, uh, winning the deep boy uh, with a cool, very cool ceremony with uh, Gary Payton, also rocking the deep boy robe here tonight. And then the Celtics just having a fantastic win here in game two, going up two games to zero over the Brooklyn Nets. And they'll be taking on the Nets in game three. Who knows? Maybe Ben Simmons will be there. Uh, but it's going to be fascinating to see what help happens. I still think it's going to be Celtics in five. I would not be shocked by Celtics in four. But uh, no matter what happens, Jay and I will be here to talk about it. Jay and I will have a podcast breaking down this game more later in the week. But I wanted to give you guys um, some initial reactions here. Very much appreciate to all the people who hopped on, joined me here in this Athletic Live room. If you uh, want to join me for subsequent games, download the Athletic app. And we should be doing this after every single Celtics playoff game. So thanks to all the callers. And thanks to the listeners out there. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. And I'm sitting here on the ninth floor. There's a lot of people around. They're looking at me. I'm, I'm probably not going to yell anything as potable just because uh, uh, it's embarrassing at this point. But uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. And uh, tune in later in the week. Me and Jay will break down this game more with maybe surprise guests. Thanks for listening, guys.